Hello and welcome to the Mindset and Self Mastery Show. I'm your host, Nick McGowan, and on this show, my guests and I unpack the stories that shape us and the lives that we lead on our path to self-mastery. Today on the show, we have Ryan Daniels. Ryan is a licensed financial advisor and owner of R Finances. He's also a U.S. Army veteran, and he and his team continue to serve by partnering with businesses, churches, and community groups to host workshops to teach people the basics of money. They also provide one-on-one financial coaching to help people build a simple-to-follow financial plan that fits their life. And Ryan's also the author of Money Basics and Fundamentals, Build a Plan That Fits Your Life. He also hosts the Say Hi to Money podcast. So let's not wait any longer. Let the games begin. Hey, Ryan. Welcome to the show, man. How are you doing? Doing great. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. I appreciate you jumping on. I know we, uh, we'd connected through actually another podcast guest, uh, Rich, who was on, I think he was episode four or five or something. It seems like it was a while ago. Uh, but he had connected us through a networking that he had put together. And uh, I know we had a conversation a couple weeks ago. It was great chatting with you. So I'm excited that we're able to do this. Uh, you also have your own show, right? I do. It's called the Say Hi to Money Show. So well, I'm sure we'll dive more into that as why I call it that. But yeah, I'm looking forward to our conversation today. Man, I appreciate that. So wait, why don't you start us off? Tell us what you do for a living and one thing that most people don't know about you. Sure. So I'm a licensed financial advisor, but I prefer the term coach. And the reason for that is you're never going to find me in a suit and tie, in a stuffy office, and certainly not going to be trying to impress you with charts and graphs and a whole bunch of complicated language, because let's face it, everybody's busy. The last time, last thing they have time for is to sit down in a stuffy office and be overwhelmed by all that jargon. Mm-hmm. So what I like to do is I meet people where they're at. So I enjoy partnering with businesses, churches, community groups that are willing to host events where people can come and learn everything they should have learned in high school. Because let me ask you this, Nick. So um, what did you learn about money in school? Um specifically from school or outside of school my extracurricular activities yeah like your formal education how many classes did you take Uh, that was kind of my answer i mean they taught us nothing when it comes to money in school i'd even got i remember getting out of school getting credit cards and stuff like that and getting in the debt and being like man why why didn't i learn about any of this stuff in school and everybody I was with at the time that was in the same spot, they're like, yeah, why didn't we? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Because that's the answer I get from everybody. And the flip side to that coin is how often do we use money? Well, just about every day. If you're buying a cup of coffee or you're buying a house, money's involved. So uh, I believe if people know better, they can do better. And what I'm excited about being on your show today is when it comes to money, a lot of it is we have to start with your mindset. What do you believe about money? What were you shown growing up? Because what we think about is what we bring about. And I'm sure, you know, it's a cliche we've all heard before. But it's true. It's totally true. Uh, So you you didn't tell us the one thing that most people don't know about you. Oh, yeah. So I would say the one thing people don't know about me is I really enjoy three things. Carpentry. So I've actually built all of my kids' furniture. Uh, I enjoy hunting and fishing. So anytime I can get, you know, working with my hands or be outdoors, that's where you'll find me. So that's that's really my dream. And what drives me is 
I want to be in a position one day where I can walk out my back door, own about 400 acres or more, and just be in my own paradise, right? People want to go on vacation. I want where I live to be a vacation. Now, I know you're in Pennsylvania. So do you see that happening in PA or is that more like a Wyoming thing or something? Well, I don't like to set limits. So I think it'd be cool to have uh, your primary home, right? I still want to always continue serving people through the business because it's so rewarding. Uh, But then have those escapes, right? You could have like a mountain house here. Uh, It'd be awesome to own like a ranch out west somewhere, you know, different types of hunting that way. So yeah, that's what that's what drives me. Yeah, that's cool. So tell us, how did you get into uh, finances? Yeah, so after high school, um, I guess people don't know this either, is growing up, I was passionate about music. And Nick, I believe uh, you were a musician as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, but from the time I was five years old is when I first started music, played the piano at first. Uh, seventh grade or fourth grade rolled around. I picked up the saxophone. And then ninth grade, I picked up the clarinet just to open up more opportunities with different groups. Uh, Long story short, went to college, majored in uh, performance on clarinet, joined the Army. I always wanted to be in the Army. Originally, I wanted to be a pararescue jumper with the Air Force, but you got to be a strong swimmer to do that, and that's not really in my wheelhouse. Uh, So I enlisted, served nine years in the Army bands. That was pretty cool. Got to travel the world, was in Alaska for three years. Uh, South Korea, Virginia, uh, Japan, just for a couple weeks. So that was pretty exciting. But once we started a family, I was ready for something different. I wanted a little more stability. Uh, You know, the army calls you 10 o'clock at night and says it be in tomorrow at five. That's where you go. So (laughs) I wanted a little more predictability. Uh, So I went back to school. I worked on my MBA. And that's when it really solidified the decision that I wanted to still serve people in a meaningful way. And that just happened to be a good fit with teaching people about money because of what we talked about earlier. So I am licensed as a financial advisor, can help people with, you know, investments, insurance, the whole nine. But really what I get motivated about is uh, educating people so they feel confident in what they're doing. So that's how I got started uh, under the mentorship of a financial advisor in Virginia. I worked part time until I got out of the military and I've had my own business now for a little over five years. So all of the business sounds like it would be fun, but potentially not as fun as playing in bands all over the world in the army. But I could only imagine that you had to manage your mindset pretty tightly because uh, I've never been in the army, but I could almost picture a drill sergeant yelling at you to play a B flat or whatever. Yeah. Uh, You already know, right? Musicians are usually a pretty cool bunch of people. So uh, some of those stereotypes of the army were a little bit more subdued. Uh, I mean, I I did pursue other training. That was something that attracted me about a career in the army uh, was I was I didn't just have to do music. There were opportunities to do other things. So I I love um, shooting. I go to the range as much as I can. So that's something I really took a knack for in the army was uh, they always put me in charge of planning the ranges and running the ranges. But as far as mindset goes, uh, one of the toughest experiences was doing the uh, mountaineering course when I was in Alaska. It's actually considered one of the hardest courses and training you can do in the army. 
Uh, and in all honesty, the first time I did it, uh, I actually failed. I didn't pass. Uh, and they structured it in a way where it's a two-week course. You go through the first week and then a few days in the second week because they need everybody there to do the team obstacles. So like you're lowering equipment down the side of a mountain, you're having to cross a ravine, like you're hanging from a rope and you know going across, doing all these things. It's not until like midweek of the second where you do your final testing. And if you pass all of that, then you get the opportunity to go for two or three days and spend it out on a glacier. That, I mean, that's pretty cool. But what happens is I failed the initial testing. So I had to wait till week one and a half to retest. And I missed the smallest detail. Like I did the knot correctly, but I forgot to put an overhand knot to secure it at the end. That little detail made me fail the class. So as far as mindset, right, I, I was fortunate. I was raised in a family of uh, a strong work ethic. You're persistent. You don't quit. It's just not acceptable, right? So that was ingrained in me. And I think that's why I enjoyed the military, that, that no quit, uh, you know, team team environment. So with that, I had one of two options. I could be like, well, I made it most of the way through. That was a cool experience. But I went back the next year and then, and then completed the course. But I think all that has to do with mindset. It's, it's too easy to give up on anything in life, right? Whether you're trying to lose weight, whether you're trying to grow a business, you're going to have challenges. So if you, if you know that going into it, then you can already mentally prepare yourself of, I'm going to keep going because it's, you already know it's going to happen. And that's got to be tough to, to get almost there and then have it pulled out from under you and have to wait an entire year. Um, I, I'll be honest, what comes to mind right now is not army, but completely basketball. <laughs> Chris Paul <laughs> from the Phoenix Suns, everybody's kind of butchering him because he has to wait a whole nother year to be able to see if he can come back and they can do something. I thought about his mindset and what he must be going through. And now, obviously, that you're here, talk to us about what that was like going through that entire year, knowing that you're working back toward this thing. You could be in the exact same spot where you fail all over again. So how did you manage that throughout those 365 days? Yeah, so a few things. One, uh, obviously, I messed up, right? So I accepted responsibility of this was the given task. And I did not complete it to standard. So what did I have to do with that? Well, I had to own it. And then the second thing is I had to um, fix what I screwed up. So I sought counsel of somebody else uh, in my unit that completed the course previously. And I got them to work with me on that skill set so I wouldn't mess it up the next time. So throughout that year, it was kind of spot checking of reviewing some of the skills so it would stay fresh. That you know, I, did, I wouldn't lose all the information I already learned. The second one is I had to recognize it wasn't a guarantee that I would even get the opportunity to try again. So there's only so many slots available for that course. Uh, and, and on an aside, I always wanted to do the uh, airborne school. So, you know, be able to jump out of airplanes. But again, there's only so many slots. So I, I would apply year after year. I think I applied like four or five times and never got a slot. Uh, so, I mean, it just wasn't meant to be in that in that regard. But as far as the mountaineering course, uh, I, I just made sure that my training sergeant knew I want to go back. So when you see that those slots open up, submit my application. Like, I want to go. 
And uh, so that just that persistency of speaking it into existence, like, hey, I, I want to do this, I got to complete this, but then also doing something about it, like taking the action. Uh, you know, you and I shared uh, some books that we've been reading and different things like that. Uh, one of my mentor, he told me, knowledge is great, but only applied knowledge will solve anything or change anything. So uh, I, that always stood, stood with me of every time I read a book of, OK, what did I learn now? How can I apply it? Like come up with a couple action steps. So I hope that answered your question of really it was just mindset of, hey, I'm going to pursue this but I'm also going to work on my skill set in the meantime so that I have the best chance possible to complete the course when the opportunity is given to me. Yeah, it makes total sense. And especially um, like you'd like you mentioned with the book, being able to figure out what are the things I can take away from the book. I know there are books that I've read multiple times where different things will pop out at different times. Uh, I, the book that comes to mind the most is kind of obvious. It's the Bible. You know, that's one of those books where you might read a, a verse at one point and you're like, God, I have no idea what you're talking about. And then you read it six or seven years later and you're like, oh my God, you can just hear it be spoken to you. And then there are little nuggets of wisdom that pop out in other books. Um, but you're right. Being able to put those things into action is the thing to be able to do. Some people have a very hard time of figuring out, how do I take what I just learned and put into action? But I think we need to be mindful that you don't have to immediately put it into action. It's not like you stand up and go, oh, I'm halfway through this page. Let me go do this thing. But it's being able to simmer on that a little bit. And how do you take the things that you've learned from books and be able to put them into practice? Do you kind of go through and note them a bit or do you kind of let them sit back in your mind and kind of uh, seep in? Uh, so combination of that, while I'm reading, I always have a highlighter tucked behind my ear. And then I also have a pen, because if, uh, you know, you're going to highlight a lot more, like what's standing out to you. But if something really speaks to you or it's an action item, I'll put like a star next to it. And, and so the, the best example I can give you of books that I've just completely devoured uh, in the process of building my business is The E-Myth, uh, The One Page Marketing Plan. And then there's a, a couple other ones. Oh, oh, Building a Story Brand by Donald Miller and his Marketing Made Simple. Th those are gold for anybody looking to build a business or even if you're starting an organization. Uh, it could even be a nonprofit and you're trying to attract people. You're getting your message out there. I highly recommend those books. But like you were talking about, when you read it later, right? when I'm at a different stage in the business, I will go back and reread those and I actually just pulled them out uh, on Friday because uh, I was working on a pop-up for my website. I was like, what can I give away as a lead generator, right? Because that's what a business thrives on is if you don't have anybody to talk to, you're going out of business. <laughs> uh, so I would say starting with highlighting things that you're learning in the process, using a pen, uh, take little pieces of paper and write ideas on, shove it into the page where you got that from. And then I always carve out in my schedule uh, at least an hour a week where it's solely focused on marketing or applying what I'm learning. So, uh, you know, I, I glean everything from my morning and evening readings. And then I take that information of, okay, how can I apply this the next week? Uh, you know, if it's a very specific personal development book, like 
uh, I know you're reading Atomic Habits right now. That one, you probably can apply something the next day after you're done, right? Because he gives you so many specific tips that you don't have to have drastic changes. Just something really small, and it makes the world of difference. Oh, yeah. That and I'm halfway through the book, and it's basically yellow. It's just covered in highlighter. Because <laughs> I'm the same way. I don't have it behind my ear. But I always have a, a total nerd moment here. But I've got um, pens and pencils and stuff next to my desk. And earlier today, I was going through my highlighters. And I was like, oh, I'm going to take some of these out. And my, my brain, I was like, I'm going to put them around the house. So that when I have the books that are also around the house, I can grab them. And I got so excited about it. I was like, this is so great. I'm going to be able to just color it up because that is a crucial thing to be able to actually go back through. I mean, think about how many times you've just picked up a book as you've walked past it and you go, oh, you're just thumbing through it. And that yellow bit or the orange or whatever pops out to you. And you're like, oh, yeah, I remember that thing. That's cool. Well, that's also why I don't particularly like borrowing books from people. I might borrow it just to skim it. But if I'm actually going to read it, I go and buy my own copy so I can, you know, highlight it all up and write all over it. I, I'm starting to get to the point where I'm starting to buy a couple books at a time. Where, like, I'll buy Atomic Habits and I'll buy two or three of them so I can send one out. Um, some of my friends and family live a bit of a ways away, so I've stopped doing that with some books where I'll just... I know I'm going to send it to you, but I'll just drop ship it with Amazon or whatever. Um, but th those really good ones, when it starts to speak to you and you want to talk to somebody else about it, that means it's doing something for you. Um, so let's actually take a little bit of a step back. You've touched on your, um, on your upbringing a little bit, just said it was prime to be able to lead you into the military. Um, but are there any major moments or episodes that have happened in life that you can look at and you say, you know what, that was one of those moments in life that absolutely changed me? Yeah, I, I think as far as how I feel the upbringing is helping me in my endeavors now, mm -hmm. one of them was just a constant reinforcement from my parents and especially my grandfather. Uh, he was one of those. Uh, think, think of your, your old school you know, uh, grandfather with you know, conservative values. Just he, he instilled, you, know, you, you hold the door for, for women to walk mm -hmm. through. Like, you, you get the point there. Yeah. Uh, but the inspiration for the book I wrote about money uh, was a phrase he always used of basics and fundamentals. So growing up playing baseball, uh, yeah, I love the Atlanta Braves. So if I showed him like, hey, watch this wind up I saw so-and-so doing, he'd like smack me upside the head and say basics and fundamentals. So in other words, so you can do all the basics like perfect. Yeah. Don't worry about all the, the flair, right? And I think too mm -hmm. quickly we try to embrace all that. So fast forward a little bit, when I really got passionate about music, uh, I think school became a hindrance on that a little bit because I was not interested in science. I was not interested in math and any of that stuff because it was taking time away from my passion of music. Yeah. So uh, I'm, if there's any kids listening, cover your ears. But it, what I would do by the time I got to high school, I would go around to all of my teachers and request permission to go to sectionals, right? So like the little small group band practice things. Mm -hmm. They didn't know whether I had it or not. But what I did is I locked myself in the practice room for like six hours because I could work on my craft to pursue the passion I had, which was to be a professional musician. 
So, yeah. um, but that started even before that. I mean, middle school, I I was busy. I had activities in the evening, like Boy Scouts and all these different things. And you know, as a musician, it's competitive, right? Mm-hmm. Your skill set has to be super high. And again, you pursue something with no guarantee that it's ever going to work out, that you'll ever get your big break. Uh, But you got to try it. So what I did is, well, I don't have that much time in the evening. So I would wake up at like five o'clock in the morning to practice before I would go to school. And it's just that was reinforced from uh, my parents and grandparents of like, don't do things half ass. Right. If you're going to do it, do it. Yeah. Otherwise, you're just going to give excuses. And mediocrity, in my opinion, is no way to live. Right? Oh, my gosh. Yeah, totally. I, I think there's a battle of mediocrity where we as yeah. humans and specifically men have to battle mediocrity throughout the day where it's just so easy to just, eh, I don't want to do it. Fuck it. You know, whatever. Yeah. And you lean back on something or what have you. But I think that always opens up the door. There's something behind it, because if you really wanted to go do something, guess what you would do? that you would go do it you'd go figure out a way to be able to go do it like you had done even as a kid so i i appreciate that you were doing that as a kid i i was an art kid in high school so i would kind of do the same thing just with like art class where i'd be like hey i got a project in art and they'd be like whatever (laughs) and i would just go down or i would leave or whatever i was going to do um but it's interesting like let's talk about the the high school thing and with music because you ended up getting into the military or army and playing music I remember sitting in the counselor's office and them telling me, well, as a musician or an art kid, we can get you into Art Institute or Berkeley, but you're not going to make any money. So uh, what do you want to do? And I stopped listening at that point. In fact, I was like, I'm done. And I think senior year was basically like two major classes and the rest was nothing. Um, So to have that sort of scenario where they were like, you're not going to make any money, you're not going to do anything. It's a different story because here we both are. You're a financial advisor, a podcast host, sales and a coach. (laughs) Obviously, we didn't hit our rock star dreams, but things worked out the way they needed to work out. So you've got some kids now. How old are your kids? Uh, So my oldest is six. She'll be seven uh, in the summer. My middle is four years old and the youngest is 18 months. So you've got some time until they're in middle school to be in the same spot. That you are, or that you were rather, to be able to kind of work yeah. through that stuff. But now that you're in that spot and you get to be dad and you get to pass this stuff along, uh, how do you see what you've learned growing up that you're going to be able to transfer over to your kids? Well, definitely the, uh, the work ethic. And one thing we do not tolerate in our house is excuses. So you, it's okay to make mistakes, but you need to own it, right? So mm-hmm. as soon as I hear the words like, uh, but... Or, you know, that's always followed by an excuse. So I was like, ah, ah, who's responsible for that? So even at four years old and six years old, they can say, I am. Okay, so how are you going to fix this? Mm-hmm. But, that, but that all starts with, that, uh, that's a reflection of those roots that were instilled in me of, uh, you know, from a parenting perspective. My dad, yeah. he started a side business of uh, cutting grass. But the reason for that was that would be the money that would allow me and my siblings to do the extra things like music lessons. And my brother was uh, good at football and uh, you did all kinds of different things. But I saw how hard he worked. But then the key here's here's the key, I think, for parents is 
you you always hear about these like snotty teenagers that don't appreciate anything. I think a lot of that is because they they weren't told or they don't have the perspective. So from a financial advisor standpoint, what I teach parents on a coaching level is if you ever hear your teenagers complain, like when you're on a vacation, put it in perspective. Do you know that your dad had to work two and a half weeks so that we could be on vacation right now? Right? Like those little things of, oh, I never thought about that. Maybe mm-hmm. I will be a little bit more grateful. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so really, I think uh, back to what you said, too, of especially men, uh, they're just like, yeah, I want to do that, but eh, forget about it. That One, you haven't found your passion. Or two, if you don't motivate yourself, find something in your life that does motivate you. Mm-hmm. You've heard it in all your reading, right? Uh, you got to have a why. And so for me, one, how selfish would it be? And two, what kind of man would I be if I didn't be the model for my three daughters that anything's possible, right? Mm -hmm. So if I put a goal out, you got to speak it, and then you got to have people hold you accountable. So not only does my mentor hold me accountable, but because I told my kids and my wife what I'm going to do, you gosh darn better do it, right? Mm. Integrity is a big deal. Um, And it's just really, really cool to see them at such a young age already dreaming about, hey, we could do a business like this. Hey, we could do this or that. But it but it doesn't it has to be that positive environment that you're creating, but reinforcing it with your own actions. Mm. So I I'm not perfect by any means. You know, I I don't hit my goals all the time. I obviously uh, slip up. You, you, you're nobody has a solid mindset. So you go through a couple days of you're down in the dumps about, oh, I didn't hit my goal last week or whatever it is. Yeah. But you have to have something to remind you of what you're fighting for and get back on the horse and uh, you'll be that example. Yeah, <clears throat> that's all. Uh... It's interesting. So I don't have any kids, but I've been around little kids before. And I know little kids are usually unfiltered. So if you tell them, hey, I'm going to do this thing, that four or six year old might go, daddy, where did, where is this? You said yeah. you were going to do this. And to have that, I would imagine you're like, I don't want to be in that sort of spot. We've got to make sure that we're doing these things the right way. Um, and that's cool that your kids are already starting to do that sort of stuff. I'm sure that also, you know, probably a little pat on the back for you and your wife to say, Hey, we're, we're doing some good things here. Yeah. And, uh, you know, this shows about your mindset and self mastery. So if you pick up any book to get started on these topics, you're going to hear some common themes. One of them, mm-hmm. you've probably all heard of a vision board, right? That's not just for you. Uh, you can make that a family activity. So mm-hmm. we, we actually took our one wall, uh, in the dining room And we each have a frame, so our personal vision board, but then we have a vision board for uh, family goals as well as uh, business goals. So it's like a collage on our our dining room wall, and then uh, it's just something we can all look at when we're eating dinner together and kind of be like, hey, you did this. That's awesome. You've already reached one of your goals this month. That positive reinforcement goes a long way uh, for sure because it's counter to Think about your how you felt when that counselor said you're not going to make any money as a musician, right? All the air went out. It was like, right. Mm, okay. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. So a parent's job, I think, is to, um, you know, reinforce the 
what do you, what do you call that? In that? Uh, self-esteem. Self-esteem, mm-hmm. I think, is really lacking in the world today. Um, and a lot of it, I believe, comes from like a victim mindset, mm-hmm. uh, where instead, if you empower yourself through the self and you know that you're responsible i think that's the difference if you accept 100 percent responsibility for your life game changer right because then you know you have the control to do whatever you want mm-hmm. it starts with a decision and then the action that follows and you don't have to have all the answers what's great is you know there's People like yourself, Nick, that have podcasts to talk about. You bring people on to share experiences. So you you're, you don't have to be born a master. Nobody is. But there's teachers and mentors everywhere. You know, uh, if you just pick up a book, Norman Vincent Peale, he can be your mentor. You can pick up any of these things, uh, and that's going to get you to where you want to be. That's a good point. Uh, and thank you for the nod to the podcast. Always appreciate that. <laughs> uh, but I, I think the... The day and time that we live in now with the amount of information that's out there, social media and everything that's going on, in some ways can be too much information for people because we can see people that are doing things. Social media is kind of an evil in some ways, but it's primarily bringing out the stuff in us because we see people that are doing great things, but you really didn't see all the BS that went behind whatever that great thing was. Um, And I'm hoping that more of this comes up, like you're saying, where you're able to listen to podcasts, you're able to go look for things, but it takes somebody taking that action to either pull up a podcast or start to Google something to look for help. Uh, So I want to get into some of the deep work because when people talk about doing some of the work throughout the days, I know people listen to this show, they look for little nuggets of wisdom. What are things that I can take away from this that I can add into something I'm already doing? Now, you touched on your reading in the morning and reading at night. Sounds like we're probably akin to that where we have morning and, and evening routines. But why don't you tell us a little bit about what your routines look like to be able to share some of that uh, wisdom? Sure. So uh, I usually wake up about six in the morning, uh, do some exercise, grab my cup of coffee afterwards. And that's when I do my little, um, there's a great book you guys can read called Miracle Morning. That'll mm-hmm. help you. It's quick read. But that'll help you what, uh, explain what Nick and I are talking about of everybody's is different. Your morning's going to be different than ours probably a little bit. Uh, but that book will coach you through how to build your morning routine. And so I, I get my cup of coffee. I'll start off reading a devotional. And then I'll pick up whatever book I'm reading at the time. Usually I try to do something more on the mindset or uh, you know, habit building, anything like that in the morning. In the afternoon or evening is when I'll read something business specific. So find out new ideas of how I can market better. Uh, communication, like how can, I, how can I be a better presenter? Mm-hmm. So a great book I'm reading recently is Talk Like Ted. So that's a, actually by a researcher. He examined all of the top TED Talks and what is it about them that made them go viral? And he breaks it down. And it was affirmation for me that my style doesn't have to be like somebody else's style. You can be great in your um, persona, right? So uh, uh, some people were successful with a whole bunch of PowerPoint slides. Other people, they just had a title up and talked, but they Mm -hmm. went viral as well. So there is no right or wrong way to do things. And I think that's one of the first things you need to embrace and recognize 
is your journey is not going to be my journey. Your journey mm-hmm. is not going to be Nick's journey. And speaking of social media, yes, uh, social media is like snapshots of people's life. So I always love this phrase, compete, don't compare. Mm-hmm. Right. So if you, it's great if there's somebody in your same industry or you're like a, a, a competitor in, in, with your business. Don't com- I'm not going to compare my business to somebody at another financial advisor's business. I'm going to compete with them because, you know, deep down, I believe I can help people a thousand times better than anybody else. <laughs> but that's because I know my heart's in the right place to do that. And I want to make sure that person's taken care of. But let's say that they're making more money than I am. I'm not going to feel bad about that. In matter of fact, I want to congratulate them, right? Mm-hmm. Success leaves clues. So now I can look at what are they doing? Is there something I'm missing? Maybe they're communicating better. Uh, maybe they learned something or are offering something that I'm not. And that's why those people are going there. But if I looked at that and got defeated and was like, man, this just isn't going to work, then what do I do? Do I quit, quit my job and, and go do, you know, move widgets around? Like, what, what, what am I going to do? <laughs> Uh, what that would show is the exact opposite, again, back to man up about it, right? Yeah. Accept that, learn from it, and then be the example for my kids of overcoming those obstacles. Uh, because like you said, it's social media. It looks like an overnight success, but that's years in the making. You don't yeah. see the sitting there at night all all defeated. Uh, you know, you didn't make any money this week. Like, what are we going to do? Uh, do I have to put it on a credit card? Like the entrepreneurial roller coaster, especially is true, right? The ups and just when you think you got it going, boom, like it drops out from underneath you. But it's that it's the mindset that gets you through your goals have to be bigger than your inconveniences. That's a good point. Before we hit record, you and I were talking a bit, even to the point where I was like, we just better hit record now so we don't (laughs) keep talking about these things. But you brought up kind of the level system. You want to go into that a little bit? Yeah, great point. So uh, I learned this from a, a conference I attended, the speaker there. He said that problems are relative to the level that you're at as a person. So if you he used a scale from one to 10. So if you're a level four person and you have a level three problem hit you, that's going to be a pretty big deal. But let's say that you continue to personally develop your speaking affirmations all the time. You you don't let the, the little inconveniences bother you. Like you keep it in perspective. Now you develop to a level eight person. That same level three problem is like a blip in the radar. It's going to be not even a big deal at all to you, right? So I think that's important because I can't remember if it's the average person only reads two books after high school, like total, or if it's only two books per year. I know you're looking like, man, I read like probably two, at least two books a month, right? Yeah. (laughs) Uh, But the point behind that is, yes, I think in high school, a lot of us, when you're told to read catcher in the rye or these types of things it might not motivate you but if you're like hey i have a clear vision a clear goal of the type of person the type of life i want to have and you see who has that already okay now what qualities about them 
make them able to have that lifestyle. And then you find the books, resources, conferences you can attend, YouTube videos, podcasts to listen to that will help you develop into that person. Now it's enjoyable, right? If it's a requirement to read X or whatever book, right? You're probably not going to be motivated to do it. But if you're motivated by the, the end prize, then that's a little bit more motivating to wake up in the morning, read a book and become the person that you need to be to have what those people have. Oh, yeah. so success is not limited. Same with money, right? There's an abundance of money. So this whole like the rich are greedy, we should give it to everybody out. No, the, the people that started companies, they sacrificed a lot. If you, re- if you read their biographies, you know, they, they slept in their office. They slept in, uh, started out of a garage. They mm-hmm. had their parents give their whole life savings on the hope that it might work out. Uh, so they risked it all. Uh, but it's because their dream was so big. So I, re- I really just encourage people, no matter where you're at, if you are a number three, that's not a slight against you. That just means you have you know, seven numbers to go to be the person that you want to be. And maybe, mm-hmm. we never, maybe we never become a 10. But what if you became, went from a three to a four? Now life becomes a lot easier, right? There's a little, yeah. somebody cuts you off on, on the road or uh, you, know, you go to buy something at the store and they're all sold out. That doesn't ruin your day. It's just like, oh, okay, well, yeah. Maybe I can get something different. Does, you, you grow as a person. Um, so I like that analogy, the one to 10, keep it in yeah. perspective. <clears throat> I like that too. It's not, uh, in some ways, life is like a video game. In other ways, it is not like a video game where you don't finish a level, you collect all the points, and then you pause, you go to the bathroom, grab a drink, come back, and on to the next level. That's not yeah. how this stuff works. So you can't really see when you're at a different level all the time, unless it's a drastic jump. Like if somebody goes from a two to a six, that's a big, big jump. Most everybody will see something like that. But for those people to be able to see it, it's those little moments. I actually had a moment that happened recently with a podcast. I had a great episode with somebody and it failed. The recording failed. And the teenager within me started to lose his shit just go crazy and just instantly like i can't believe it and within seconds all of this like fumed up and i went wait a minute i actually jumped i stood up stepped away walked outside for a minute came back and was totally good but i realized at that point i was at a much different level than i had been years ago but it took years to get to that point yeah. Do you have things that are similar in that sense where like you can see things that happen you go oh old me would have freaked out yeah, I, I think so. Uh, I think my personality by nature is I'm pretty introverted, pretty, pretty chill. My wife jokes when uh, she talks to people and says, yeah, Ryan's excitement, like when we got married, it was like, cool, you know, we're having a baby. <laughs> well, cool. calm down, Ryan. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so, you know, my my band of emotion, I guess, is pretty, pretty small. Sure. Uh, I do enjoy meaningful conversations. Like, you know, I'm, I'm enjoying what we're doing right now. But just as far as a scale, I think it's pretty small to begin with. Mm. But absolutely, uh, frustration is something you need to tame, right? You gotta, you gotta get it back in the jar, because nothing good comes from that. And that's mm-hmm. a lesson we're really trying to get our six year old to understand right now, is when she gets so worked up about something, she can't think of a solution. Uh, 
Mm. So it's just calm down, right? So any parents out there, a book I'll recommend to you is called Raising Lions. Best book on parenting I've ever read. Uh, I don't know what your style is to parenting currently, but it has put so, it relieves so much stress in the entire household because you don't let their emotions take over your emotions, right? Mm. There, you have to be the the guide for them. So I, I won't spoil the whole book, but his basic concept is you have to remain emotional, like show no emotion when they do something that you don't approve of or they're out of control, like they have lost it. You simply just say, break. And they'll be conditioned to go sit on their bench or sit right where they're at for like a minute. That's it. It gives them time to accept what they did. And then afterwards, there's no explanation. They know what they did. Hmm. And now they can come at it level-headed and solve the problem. So that works wonders. Uh, The key with it, though, just like any personal development, is consistency. So whenever we hit a a lull of, man, what is going on around here? Like the kids, is it a full moon? Like, what's up? Uh, It's because of us, right? So parent, if you don't like what your kids are doing, it's a mirror. That's how you're acting. You've let your emotions get out of check, your your demeanor out of check. Uh, So yeah, I recommend that book, um, Raising Lions. It's been a game changer for my wife and I. And we listened to it on the way home from a conference. I had downloaded it on Audible. So another tip for you guys. Turn your car into a classroom. Forget the radio. Turn on an auto audio book. Turn on a podcast. Because that's your chance to use your time wisely. So you can, you can do one of three things. Waste your time. Spend your time. That's what most people do. Or you can invest your time. Mm-hmm. So you can invest your time in becoming the person you need to be to have the life that you want. You can invest your time improving your skill set. right? Or you can invest your time pursuing through action whatever it is you're trying to do Uh, but most people because they're not inspired like your audience here right to to dream and and go after something is most people will waste their time or spend their time i think there's that balance where people need to just waste time sometimes just get away and just sit and veg watch some tv do something that's not work or what have you um, but there's also being mindful of the time. So like your buckets of time where you invest yep. and what you're investing in. I know there are certain people that will wake up and they'll be like, oh man, I got to get right into this thing because they're not managing their time properly to allow themselves to have time to set themselves up right. And then by the end of the day, they're just stressed and freaking out because they didn't set themselves up properly. You and I both know that because we've done it before. You know, like you have those yeah. mornings, you're like, nah, screw it, I'm not gonna do this thing. Halfway through your day, you're like, oh, I probably <laughs> should have done all of that in the morning because you know how it primes you and kind of gets you moving through the day. Mm-hmm. And uh, to, to help people with that, uh, I would recommend they take a piece of paper, like a, just a regular notebook paper, right at the top, 168. Because there's 168 hours in the week, and then just go through what you do. So if you sleep, you know, however many hours a night times seven, write that number down. Uh, how long do you eat per day, right? Maybe a half hour for lunch, half hour for breakfast, hour for dinner. So that's two hours a day, seven days, that's 14 hours, minus 14. Just go down through all of that. And most people's mind is blown <laughs> how much time's left over. Yeah. So there's, I mean, if you do want to watch TV or something and you think you only do it an hour a day, then write down minus seven. But when you see 36 hours left at the end, 
Where do you think that money's going? Do you think it's going to invest in your time? No, it's going to wasting time, right? So that mm-hmm. that's how you can transfer that awareness into, okay, well, let me, let me start like a block calendar from this time to this time. I'm going to be intentional with my time. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you like video games, if you like woodworking, if you like hunting, doing anything, put it in your schedule. Because if you put it in there from, I'm going to do this from 7 p.m. to 8 p.m. or 10, 10 a.m. on Saturday to 1 p.m. on Saturday, then, that, then you have it planned out. Because otherwise, if you just start doing it on Saturday morning, next thing you know, it's 6 p.m. And, and you never got anything else done. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, I agree with you. You got to have fun. It's, it's a balance in life of, you know, pursuing things you're passionate about, but taking time to, what do they say? What do they say? Uh, smell the roses, right? Like mm-hmm. enjoy the moment as well, because some, some of your biggest memories are going to come from just hanging out in the driveway, playing with chalk with your kids or something mm-hmm. like that. So you got to, yeah. you got to make time for that as well. Can't always be business and again don't don't compare yourself to others that look like that's all they do so yeah because that's not all they do that is not all they do (laughs) everybody's human in some ways it's just we only see the things um well ryan you've you've dropped a lot on us um i think we're probably going to need a list of all the books that you've given us in this podcast (laughs) episode as well um but is there one piece of advice you'd give somebody on their path towards self-mastery yeah i i think it's be, uh, have grace with yourself, right? You, you can't yeah. change overnight. And if you move two steps forward, you're probably going to move one step back. It's okay. But what you'll learn over time is that you can self-correct. Mm-hmm. So like you, you shared, Nick, of, uh, you know, the podcast didn't record. And then you had self-awareness to just walk away for a moment, right? And you Mm -hmm. put it back in perspective. If you miss a day, like if you say, I'm going to wake up in the morning and read uh, for a half hour and you you miss a day, don't don't quit then and there. Like this doesn't work. It it takes time to change. No no different than going to the gym. It hurts like heck for the first few weeks because you're building new muscles and you're building a new muscle when you go down this journey of mindset and self-mastery so it's uh uh, i guess the the best quote i'll leave you with is the most successful people in the world take the time to figure out exactly who they want to become and what they want to achieve and then invest the rest of their hours in actions consistent with those ideals that's from t harv ecker so that'll help you uh figure out what you want to do really solidify that vision but then it's an awareness of how am I using my time mm-hmm. and, and just be great. Uh, have, have grace with yourself. It's a process. Great point. And that's a great millionaire mindset you got there. Yeah. Full pun intended. Um, <laughs> so Ryan, awesome. thank you for being on the show. Uh, where can people connect with you? Yeah. So I'm on a, I have a Facebook page. It's our finances coach is the handle, but you can look for our finances. You can see the little R will be the logo, uh, but the best thing to check out would be our website. That's rfinances.com. So the letter R finances.com. Uh, and you know, all of our coaching is free. So if you guys have questions, don't, don't do the ostrich effect and bury your head in the sand. Like reach out. We're here to help. It might be as simple as recommending a book to you. It might be sitting down for a half hour on a zoom call and showing you how to do a budget, right? We're no, it's Our goal is to take you from where you're at to where you want to be. 
And you do, and we do that by building you a simple to follow financial plan that fits your life, right? Because everybody's life's different. So Nick, I do appreciate your time today and having me on. And I appreciate you. And thank you for wrapping this up like a good old podcast host and trying to get to it before I did. Right? You're the man. I appreciate you being on. Um, and I look forward to being on your show too. And thanks everyone. Awesome. Another great conversation on today's episode of the Mindset and Self Mastery Show. When we think of things we should have learned in school, yeah, I'm sure we can all agree finances is at the top of the list. And the habits and disciplines and grace are great, but they're really just components to a positive money mindset. And they really won't get you anywhere unless you know what to do with that money. So I'm glad there are people like Ryan in the world who truly wear their heart on their sleeves and are doing great work to help people in the community learn about and grow their finances. So let me ask you, how's your financial mindset? Did this conversation change the way you look at it or think or act towards money? I'd love to hear what you thought about the episode today and the conversation we got into. And if you enjoyed the episode, please jump over to iTunes, subscribe, rate, leave a five-star review. It'll help lots of people because remember, we didn't learn about this stuff in school. And if you really enjoyed the show, go ahead and share it with a friend, share it with a colleague, share it with somebody you know that's pretty rough with their finances. And check out the show notes for more info, contact info for Ryan, and check out the other episodes on themindsetandselfmasteryshow.com, as well as our YouTube channel, where you can just go to YouTube and type in The Mindset and Self Mastery Show, and ta-da! Thanks again, Ryan, for being real, for being honest, and for being vulnerable with us and for sharing some great tips and doing some great work. And I'd like to thank our sponsors, The Manly Club and The Powerhouse Men Brotherhood. Men, do you consider yourself to be a powerhouse man? The criteria for becoming one is simple. Live with virtue and do good work. You see, a powerhouse man builds his life. He doesn't settle for it. He attacks mediocrity at the root, and that's exactly what we do in The Powerhouse Men Brotherhood. You can visit themanlyclub.com for more details. And thank you to you. Yes, you. Thank you for hanging out with us today and for being here for these shows. Really, really appreciate it. Hope you're getting something out of it. I'm sure as hell know I am. And with that, remember, your mindset matters. And so do you.